Well, uh, good morning, everyone. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's pray. Uh, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone here. And uh, God, just thank you for being a, a good God who loves us and cares for us. And uh, God, I can feel your presence moving. I just pray that uh, uh, your Holy Spirit uh, just continues to work, God. I just pray that uh, you feed us today, help us uh, grow closer together, and just I just pray for, again, for true healing and uh, reconciliation. And I know that uh, your love, uh, you know, covers all our sins, God. And I just pray that, um, yeah, I just pray that you continue to bless our church, help us heal, and, uh, you know, show us uh, the path forward and help us to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, so today I'm going to talk to you guys about water, and uh, yeah, you heard me right, we're going to talk about water, and water is delicious, I love to drink water, uh, I end up drinking a lot of water, uh, people call me a camel, when I, mean, I go to a restaurant, um, I end up like drinking like three or four glasses, I feel bad for the, the poor waiter and, or waitress, uh, it's always good. Have they ever left you like a pitcher of water uh, at the table? Like they need to do that for me every time. So I drink a lot of water, water's good for you. Uh, my grandma, she actually doesn't like the taste of water, so then she doesn't drink water. And uh, you know, that's bad for her. So, and so it's good to, good to drink water. And my dad, there, believe it or not, there is a wrong way to drink water. So my, my dad taught me the right way, and that's with like 10 or 20 ice cubes in it. You want to make it as, as cold as possible. And uh, last youth group, we actually had a water day when we were at the farm, and we had a blast. We played with water balloons, and you can see the pictures up there, and uh, we ended up dumping water on each other, and it was a perfect day for it because it was super, super hot. And uh, the thing was, it was so hot that uh, if you got hit with a water balloon, it felt like you were winning. <laughs> uh, or if you got water dumped on you, it felt like you uh, were winning. So it was a really great uh, day for water games, and we'll probably do that again at some point when we uh, meet at the farm. But uh, anyways, we're going to go ahead and we'll go uh, get started, and we'll dig into the scriptures. We're going to be in John 4.4, 4, and uh, again, we're going to be talking about water and the woman at the well. And But Jesus starts talking about living water. Water. And uh, a typical Jesus, he's talking about, uh, you know, something spiritual, something deeper than just physical water, but something spiritual. So you go ahead and turn to your Bibles. It's uh, John 4.4, 4, and, um, uh, and I'll go ahead and uh, I'll start. And this is talking about uh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus knew the Pharisees uh, had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't, didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Okay, uh, verse 4, uh, my bad. Uh, he had to go through Samaria uh, on the way. Eventually he came to Samaria, the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily uh, beside the well about noontime. Soon the Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me, or said, or Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. 
He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Okay, so uh, he had to go through uh, Samaria, and uh, just uh, to explain the Samaritans to you guys, the Jews and the Samaritans, they disliked each other. They hated each other. And the Samaritans, they were half Jew and half Gentile, so they were part Jew and part uh, non-Jew. And uh, this happened in the Old Testament in 2 uh, Kings uh, 17. The Syrians, they took over the northern kingdom of Israel. And, uh, and then um, typical Israelites, they messed up. They worshiped idols. So God let the Syrians uh, invade the northern kingdom of Israel. And they ended up intermarrying, and that created the Samaritans. And uh, uh, the Jews and the Samaritans, they kind of had a bad history. They didn't like each other. In fact, uh, this is something I learned in college. Uh, I never knew this until college. The Samaritans, they actually built their own temple. They built the temple on Mount Gerizim in 400 BC. And then they claimed that was the proper place for the temple, and they claimed that was the, the right, uh, right place for the temple, and that's where the temple should have been built in the first place. And then the Jews and, uh, said that the proper place for the temple was uh, in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. So uh, in the, around 1112 B.C. or 112 B.C., uh, the Jews actually went to war with the Samaritans, and they led an army, and they destroyed the Samaritan temple. And this was an organized attack. It was uh, with the military and the Jewish leaders, and uh, so that happened about 110 years before Jesus. So uh, as you can tell, the Samaritans and Jews, they, they don't like each other, and even though that was a while ago, you know, destroying the Samaritan temple, like, that was a really, really big deal, especially to the Samaritans. They wouldn't have forgotten that. So uh, the, they didn't like each other. The, Samarit- uh, the Jews looked down on them. The Jews saw the Samaritans as, ha- as half-breeds, and they just didn't, uh, yeah, so you get the idea. Uh, so now we're uh, at the time of Jesus, and it says he had to go through Samaria. And now typically the strict Jews, they would go around Samaria. They would take a longer path to avoid the Samaritans. And uh, but we see that uh, the had to there, uh, you get the idea that the father wanted Jesus to go through Samaria, that God had a purpose. And uh, again, this shows Jesus, he's already breaking social norms, and he goes right through Samaria. And there's already a, a good lesson there. We see Jesus' heart. We see God's heart and how God, you know, wanted to meet with the Samaritan woman. And we see God's love and acceptance and his desire that, you know, people know him and people have a relationship with him. So he went straight through Samaria, and Jesus was tired. And it actually, it's not that he was just tired. It, he was exhausted. Uh, and you have to remember that Jesus was, you know, fully God and fully man. He was 100% divine and 100% human. So uh, this is uh, his human side coming, coming out. He was exhausted. He really needed water. He was wore out. He took a break. And he's in the Middle East, so it's uh, probably really hot. And he's just tired of walking from uh, 
a long journey. And then the Samaritan woman comes at noon to get water. And most Bibles say the sixth hour, and the sixth hour, that means, that means noon. So uh, the Samaritan woman came at noon, and that's actually really significant because most of the ladies and uh, most of the people back then, they'd go in the morning. They'd go when it was cool. They wouldn't go in the middle of the, uh, of the day to get water. It was also kind of a social activity. Uh, so uh, you can see that she's, uh, you know, she comes by herself at noon. She's an outcast. She's by herself. She's unliked and maybe unwanted. And then on top of that, she's a Samaritan. And of course, and we know that in Bible times, women were, were looked down upon. So she's pretty low. So if you look at the social class scale, she's pretty low towards the bottom. And then later in verses 17 and 18, we find out that she had uh, five husbands. And uh, the person she's currently living with is not her husband. So we don't know her backstory. We don't know what happened. It is a possibility that maybe some of her husbands would have died, or maybe all of them. But uh, there's, you know, there's a very good chance that she was immoral or a sinner. And because she came to the well at a strange time by herself, kind of the uh, a lot of people assume that you know, she had a rough life and maybe made some bad choices. But we see that despite, uh, despite all that, we see Jesus talks to her. And I just think that is awesome. You have holy, holy, holy God who's super, super holy. And then you have this uh, woman who's messed up, who's a sinner. And she's just doing a normal, normal, like, normal task. It's not like she's at the temple praying. She's just doing a normal task. And then Jesus shows up and starts talking to her. And it's, it's a long conversation, too. This goes on a, a while. And uh, last Sunday, we took a look at Matthew, the tax collector. And we saw that despite Matthew's sin, God still called him to be a disciple. And we also talked about how the church is a hospital for people who are sick or make mistakes, uh, for the outcasts, the least of these. And we see that Jesus loves us despite our sins, despite our uh, flaws and our mess-ups. God wants a relationship with us. And so that's really, really, really awesome. So you can kind of see uh, the, how the two stories are kind of connected in a way that, or the same theme that, you know, God loving uh, the outcast. So let's, uh, let's keep going. We are going to be in uh, verse, uh, verse 10. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, 4.10. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gifts God has for you and who, is, who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave, you, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Okay, so obviously at this point, the woman does not know she's talking to Jesus. So she thinks that Jacob is, uh, you know, a lot better or, or bigger deal than Jesus. And... Uh, and Jesus mentions living water. Now, we know that uh, Jesus is talking about the spiritual, but in the Jewish language, living water was like a flowing water. It was moving water, like a river or stream or, or waterfall, uh, you could say, I guess. And it was a lot better than uh, well water. It was, uh, you know, it was clean. Uh, well water would be dirty. And uh, so the lady, the lady, you know, picked up on this, and she asks, you know, how can you offer better water than Jacob? 
Like, uh, who, who do you think you are? And uh, you have to remember, we are in the Middle East. So uh, clean water is, uh, is very luxurious. It's beautiful. It's hard to come by. Uh, it's not like uh, in America where we just turn on uh, faucets. Uh, have you guys ever been to, like, a park and you see, like, a water fountain there? And, you know, 90% of the time it doesn't work. And if it does work, it's, like, super, super gross and terrible, disgusting water. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're, uh, we're really blessed to live uh, in America and to have uh, good, clean water. So now Jesus is kind of, you know, he's kind of bragging up uh, this, this water he has. So let's keep going. Uh, verse, uh, verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Uh, but whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come to get. Uh, I won't have to come here to get water. So Jesus said, anyone who drinks this water, or whoever, anyone who drinks water, will, will be thirsty again. That's kind of like a. Duh, like a, a no duh statement, like obviously, and uh, it's uh, and I just always uh, I always try to imagine um, what the woman was thinking at this point. Like imagine imagine going to Walmart and you're in the water section in the back. You're you're going to buy some water, and this random guy comes up to you and he starts talking about living water that gives eternal that gives you eternal life. Okay, you'd be uh, kind of confused and like, what is this guy talking about? And uh, so I think that's what the lady was thinking. Is, you know, is magic water? Is he trying to sell me water? Is he talking about the fountain of youth, everlasting life? What's he talking about? And you can see that she takes Jesus really literally. Uh, you know, give me this water so I don't have to keep uh, going to uh, the well. And uh, we see in uh, chapter 3, uh, it's kind of similar. Uh, Nicodemus takes uh, Jesus liter literally as well. You know, Nicodemus asks, you know, born again, how can someone be enter their mother's womb again. So she takes uh, Jesus uh, literally. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, verse 16. Uh, Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Uh, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living uh, with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem uh, is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount uh, Gerizim, where uh, our ancestors worshipped? Okay, so again, we kind of already covered this. She had five husbands uh, throughout her life, and the person she's living with now is not her husband. And uh, kind of like what I said earlier, the Israelites or the Jews, they worshipped in Jerusalem, and the Samaritans worshipped on uh, Mount uh, Gerizim. And so she asks Jesus uh, this uh, religious question. Uh, let's keep going. Verse 21, uh, Jesus replied, uh, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship fa uh, the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for these 
uh, for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, uh, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Okay, so this is awesome. Jesus tells her that he is the Messiah. This is something Jesus like never did. Uh, you know, he would, uh, he'd call himself the son of man. He would imply it, but he would never like say it like outright that I am the Messiah. But he reveals himself to this lady, which is, uh, which is awesome, where he tells her the truth that, hey, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And then he also tells her uh, about the Holy Spirit coming, that, you know, pretty soon you'll be able to worship God wherever you are. And that's uh, really, really awesome. Uh, let's keep going. Verse 27, then the disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar, left her water jar beside the well, and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Okay, so disciples, again, they saw, saw Jesus talking uh, to the woman, and they're like, you know, they're stunned. You know, they can't believe it. They can't believe that Jesus is talking to uh, a Samaritan w w woman. And you can see, uh, you know, God's love. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to allow the, you know, what people think or, of him, or he's not going to allow the social or the cultural reasons to get in the way of him loving others. And uh, what's really, really cool, and it's super easy to miss, is we see that uh, she forgets the jar of water, uh, and she leaves it at the well. And, you know, why did she leave her jar of water at the well? You know, that was the whole reason, you know, she went to the well, was to, to get water. And I just think that's awesome. And I think she actually did get water, but she got a different kind of water. She got Jesus's water. She accepted Jesus's living water, and that was enough. And so, like, the whole reason she went to the well in the first place, you know, it didn't even matter anymore. And she left, she left her jar and because she was already filled. And he is uh, just another reminder that Jesus is enough. And uh, a lot of times, we try to fill ourselves with things of this world. And you can see that this is probably what she was doing. She was looking for love. She uh, had, uh, you know, five different husbands in her life. And everyone's, you know, everyone is looking for love and happiness and peace and contentment. And we all want to be successful and, and good. And we have we all have a deep longing of, uh, and we're searching for fulfillment in life. And maybe you're just, you know, want a successful job or a romantic relationship or money, looks. You want to be famous. And then uh, some people, you know, some people turn to drugs or drunkenness or sexual immorality uh, for uh, fulfillment. Uh, and uh, Thomas Aquinas, uh, kind of an old... Um, uh, old church father, I believe, he said that every sinful behavior is rooted in a legitimate God-given appetite. Every sinful behavior is rooted in a legitimate God-given appetite. So another way to word it is, is that you're looking for love in all the wrong places. 
and uh, you know the the girl she or she wanted to maybe she was looking for happiness and she went and she was looking for her husbands for love and Jesus I just want to tell you that Jesus can fill that longing that desire and that hunger in your heart and uh, you know have you guys ever tried uh, drinking uh, salt water before <laughs> I wouldn't do it. It'd be really, really gross. But it's not gonna—it's not gonna fill you up. It's gonna be disgusting. It's gonna be uh, gross. Uh, you know, you can't. That's why you can get—you know—stranded on a desert island and you can still—you know—thirst to death because uh, you need fresh water. And so, uh, I think so. Everyone, whether they realize it or not, is actually hungry for God. They just—you uh, know—they might not know it. Everyone is searching for God. Well, they don't know it. And see, see, with Jesus, you know, we know he gives us the fruit of the, the Spirit. He gives us love, joy, and peace, and all those other good stuff. And only Jesus satisfies. I'm going to read you guys Psalms 42.1. It says this. It says, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Now, this is one of my favorite hymns. I absolutely love this hymn. And I used to always think of the kind of this beautiful picture of a young deer, maybe like Bambi or something, uh, next to a river or stream. And, uh, and that is a good picture to think of, but it, in some ways it's kind of inaccurate. You want to kind of think of, you know, a deer that's like starving and panting and is just very desperate for the water, like about to die. And that's uh, why we, and the same way, and kind of like that, it's like that's how bad we need Jesus. Our hearts need Jesus to live the same way the body needs water to live. And uh, the human body, it's, oft, it's often said that it can only live three days without water. So just like the physical part of us needs water to live, the spiritual part of us also needs Jesus to live. We need his living water. And it always surprises me when I was preparing for this message, uh, all the different connections in Scripture. It's, it's so fun. This is one of the coolest things about the Bible. And this is where I think the Holy Spirit can really work on, uh, work in my life and other people's hearts, is where you make connections in Scripture and you see uh, how the, the dots connect. And, you know, I was focused on, you know, on water. And uh, there's so much in the Bible. There's so many other verses I could have used as well. And, you know, you think of baptism, how you come to, to old life, to new life. Uh, Moses hitting the rock in the desert. We see that God provides them, his people, with fresh and good water. Uh, Psalms 23, 2 says, uh, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. So we see that God provides, he satisfies, and uh, that Jesus truly is enough. And the, the farmers, you know, we, we rely on rain for our crops to grow and to make food, and so do, uh, and so do like gardener, gardeners for plants and for flowers. And just like trees, you know, trees need water so they can produce fruits. And you can think of like the, the fruit of the Spirit. So Jesus, you know, waters us and we produce good fruit. Uh, so again, lots of, lots of different connections you can make. And it's just, uh, just how water, you know, falls from the sky uh, to water the earth. Uh, you know, you could call the, the sky the heavens. So, so just like how water falls from the heavens, we see that Jesus came from heaven to give us life. 
and uh, water falls from above, and Jesus came from above. And he came and he met with uh, the Samaritan woman. And you couldn't have two polar opposites. You have a Jew, you have Jesus, he's a teacher, and you have a Samaritan woman. And something I've really been wrestling with, uh, kind of in my uh, personal life, or not wrestling with, but uh, I don't know, just kind of thinking about, and uh, I'm going to do more research on it, I guess, uh, but it's uh, something I've really been kind of wrestling with, is kind of this idea that, you know, we know that sin separates us from God, you know, that's uh, very, very, very true. But on the other hand, we see times where, you know, God is, uh, you know, God rescues and saves us and heals us in the midst of our, in our darkest moments, in the midst of our worst sins. And kind of like the parable of the lost sheep, uh, you know, we see the shepherd leave the 99 and rescue the one that is lost. And we see God's faithfulness and loyalty. And so on one hand, sin separates us from God, but then on the other, we see how Jesus is faithful and he never leaves us and he saves us uh, and he, he's always with us. And uh, so uh, in this story, you know, you have a person, you have who's a woman. And again, the culture, you know, back then looked down on women. And not only is she a woman, she's a Samaritan. So she's hated by the Jews, hated by her neighbors. And then we find out that the Samaritan is, uh, you know, the other Samaritans don't even like her. Uh, she doesn't go, she goes to the well by herself at a strange time. And then we find out that she has had five husbands in her life, and she's had a really, really hard life, and that she's living an immoral life. And you can just get the sense that it's really, really messy. And, but despite, despite all of that, she is still loved and cared for by God and by Jesus. And then Jesus, like out of everyone, Jesus could have offered a living water or uh, living or <laughs> living water to Jesus chose her and Jesus even tells her that he's the Christ that he's the Messiah that's what Christ means Christ means Messiah and that is that's huge that's a, a really big deal and that's a, that's awesome so if you think that you're too far from God if you think that you know maybe you've just been making mistakes or uh, things have been really really messy uh, if you think you're too far from God you could not be more wrong if you think that you are too far from God's uh, love and grace, you could not be more wrong. Uh, you th so, and sometimes we can uh, think that, you know, oh, we're just uh, dirty or too bad. And uh, I'll close with this. You know, water gives us life. It, it strengthens us. It nourishes us. We need it. We can't, you know, without it, uh, we die. But another thing water does is it cleans us. It washes dirt away. And uh, it washes, uh, just like how Jesus cleans us and washes our sins away. Uh, go ahead and show the next picture on the screen. This is a picture of me and uh, my friend Matthew. This was a long time ago. As you can see, we're a mess. We're uh, filthy. Uh, we were playing, uh, we just dug our lagoon, and we were playing in the lagoon. This was before we put, uh, you know, the... But yeah, the, the waste in it. Uh, I didn't want to say poop on the, the pulpit, but oh well. Yeah, there I go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, so no, 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 that's just mud, so, so don't worry. And oh dear, this is going to be the only thing you remember from my sermon. Uh, but uh, anyways, so that's me and Matthew, uh, and you know, we're a mess, we're filthy. And that's, and you know, I'm not going to... 
You know, I'm not going to remind uh, everyone, you know, what happened last month, but, you know, it was messy. Uh, but here's, here's the good news, that, uh, that Jesus uh, cleans us. He washes our sins away. He makes us new. He can, it makes us white as uh, snow, and we can uh, be completely forgiven if we go to the Lord. And it's just kind of like the song says, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so no matter what we do uh, or what we've done, Jesus washes our sins away. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Uh, Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, your forgiveness and your love. Thank you for providing us uh, living water. Uh, and uh, that God, uh, we, you know, we are so blind, God. Please show us that uh, you truly are enough, that you satisfy us, that you give us all we need. And even though life is still really, really, really hard, that you are a, a good God who cares about us, who loves us, and you can uh, turn um, even, uh, you know, even if when we're a mess, God, you're still you're still working in us. You're still with us, and you still love us, and you can uh, turn the bad things into good because uh, you love us, and that's what you do. In uh, Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to read to you guys uh, the, the benediction, and then you guys will be free to go. It says, um, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. You guys are uh, dismissed.